Welcome to Redeemer's Church Weekly Message Podcast, where our mission is simple. We are a church that is passionate about loving God and loving people. And now, we hope you enjoyed this week's message by Pastor Caleb Schaefer. Jesus, thank you so much for your word. Thank you even now that just in 12 verses you have commenced surgery. God, you have taken this word that is not dead, but it is living and breathing. And God, you, you allow us to hear it. But Lord, I pray that we would not just have ears to hear, eyes to see, but I pray we would have hearts to understand and hearts to receive what your word speaks this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm quickly discovering that uh, teenagers, especially teenage boys, can be careless. Uh, I have a son, and he isn't quite a teenager yet, but I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to give him away, but um, he can be careless sometimes, and I just want to let you know I have his permission to share the story, so uh, don't get mad at me. But his careless is not unique to him, because if you have a teenage boy, you know that it is part of the fabric of their maturation and development to be careless from time to time. And... um, Uh, It is often in his carelessness that I rapidly remember my own carelessness as a teenager. And then I conclude that in those moments, uh, I often want to call my parents and just say sorry all over again. (laughs) Sorry, was was it this way for you too? Matter of fact, just the other day, I recalled a moment where I thought, This is such a logical thing to do. I'm going to take a BB gun and test the durability of my vinyl siding at my parents' house. (laughs) Needless to say, you know how that went. (laughs) And it's like, why? Why was that a thought that I thought made logical sense as a teenager? Let me just test the durability really quickly. And so... Young, young boys can be careless. Teenagers can be careless. So last Sunday, we're coming home from church, and we go to uh, do a grocery pickup, and we're heading home, and we're pulling into the house. Another thing that I noticed about young men is you have to talk really slow in order for them to understand you. <laughs> really slow. You got to slow down. Look at my mouth. Look at my mouth understand everything that I'm saying. So we're driving in to the court and I'm looking at the one I who will remain nameless and I begin to talk really slow and I'm like, hey, before you go downstairs to play video games, please help me bring in the groceries. Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth. Not mouth, mouth. Do you understand? If you understand, say something that is a logical way of me understanding you understand. He's like, I got you, no problem. So I should have known that the top thought on his mind was not the delicate transportation of the groceries from the trunk of the van 
to the kitchen counter, I should have thought the pervasive thought on his mind was how can I do this as fast as possible so that I can get to the basement? You know that groceries, some of them are delicate. They're not all in plastic packaging. And so I get out of the car and I head to the trunk to grab groceries and I'm heading into the house and behind me, I hear the one that I will remain nameless uh, grabbing groceries and seconds later, seconds later, (laughs) seconds, seconds later, I hear bags drop to the ground. And it wasn't like a quiet impact. It was a very loud impact. So I continue, needless to say, I continue into the house. I go back out one more time and I get the rest of the groceries. I come back in. I begin to put them away. By this time, I'm feeling like I'm a good husband. I'm a good man. I'm a good husband right now. I'm putting all these things away. And by this time, the one who will remain nameless is in the basement playing video games. And so I'm putting the groceries away. I'm almost done until I see one bag remaining. This bag isn't on the kitchen counter, mind you, because that wasn't what I said. (laughs) Evidently, what got communicated in the air was put the bag wherever you want to put the bag. (laughs) Put it upstairs if you want. It doesn't matter. Put it up there. So this bag happens to be on the kitchen table, not the kitchen counter. Fine. No big deal. Praise God you brought it in and you didn't even leave it in the garage. Because as I'm walking from the trunk of the van into the car, I am seeing scattered along the grass shoes, jackets, toys, electronic devices. It doesn't matter. You just leave stuff wherever you want to leave it. So I get to the bag, no big deal. I'm going to take, it, take, take, take care of it. And um, I think to myself, no problem. Let's, let's put this away. Let's get it done. But upon my arrival to the table, I discover a clear plastic bag full of eggs that happen to be swimming in their own yolk. Now, let's talk about the fact that eggs are expensive these days. I am counting the dollars lost. I remember we went to Disney, and this was so funny. We went to Disney, and we go into the Magic Kingdom, and I tell you what, they just have it all set up for you to just lose hundreds of dollars in them. And so we go in, first store on the corner is a candy store. They've got every, they have every color of Skittle you can imagine. They have colors I've never seen before of Skittles. But you get a bag of Skittles and you go to the counter and your heart skips beats because they're like, a bag this size is like, that will be $45. (laughs) We get, seconds later, We get out into the street. We're walking towards the castle. Everything is magical. And Zeke drops three-fourths of the bag on the ground. And I'm thinking to myself, instantaneously, that is $17.50, gone forever. So I see these 
these eggs swimming in their own yolk. And do you want to take a guess on which bag was the one that dropped? That one. So it's a mess. There is yolk in the bag. There's yolk on the bag. There's yolk on the table. There's yolk dripping on the floor. It is a mess. So I call into the lair that he lives in. Hey, come here. No problem. Comes in. What? <laughs> what do you mean, what? Look at this. I didn't, I didn't do that. Uh, yeah, you did. Did you not see that, number one, these are eggs, and number two, that when you dropped them, they broke open everywhere? And he's like, no. <laughs> And then, like, I did a Jedi mind trick, and I was like, I'm not even mad, but your mom is going to be so mad at you. <laughs> she actually, she didn't even care, but I was, like, hoping to use some leverage, you know what I mean? And so I'm in this moment of just being perplexed, and I'm like, come on, man. You know how your kids just do stuff? They, they bring you to tears of desperation. Like, come on. Come on. Please, please, just, you've got to be more careful. You've got to pay more attention to what you are doing. Now, what in the world does this have to do with James chapter 3? James addresses the power of the tongue because the body of Christ in this moment was demonstrating a collective carelessness with their words. This carelessness came from a desire that a multitude of the people actually had the desire to be a teacher. I think we can say that same thing is happening right now because if you go on social media, you will see multitudes of people hoping to grow their Christian influence brand. Everybody wants to be a teacher because everybody has an opinion. Now, here's the thing. This is a natural flowing out of receiving the gospel of Jesus because how many of you know that the gospel of Jesus elevates and empowers people? Okay, so the gospel of Jesus brought men, women, and children all onto an equal playing field where everyone had value and purpose. And so as a result of this newfound freedom and empowerment, people are speaking up and speaking out naturally. So that should be the case. Look at what the Great Commission says in Matthew 28. It says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So it's natural for everyone want to want to speak up and speak out. But nevertheless, all of these teachers were creating a problem. The problem wasn't that they wanted to be teachers. The problem was more about why they wanted to be teachers. One commentator actually says this, that it was highly probable that the reason why James was addressing the responsibility of teachers and the power of the words was not because there were too many people who were willing to bear the weight, the burden of equipping the saints for the work of the ministry, but more so because people were craving the attention and honor associated with being a teacher. The Christian teacher in many ways replaced the Jewish rabbi 
in the Christian world. That was an honored position. It was an esteemed position. It was an elevated position. And people were attracted to that position because they craved the esteem. This is why Paul talks about false teachers coming into the church all the time because these false teachers were attracted to the esteem and honor of being a teacher and all of the attraction they would get and influence they would get from other people. And so people were lining up to become teachers in the body of Christ and they were becoming ambitious for what another commentator calls a dangerous occupation. Teaching is a dangerous occupation because you have students under your influence. Now, why is this a dangerous occupation? It can be dangerous when there is an overemphasis on the attention you get from whatever your audience is, rather than the accountability and responsibility that comes from the influence you carry and the words that you spread. Teaching is a, it is, it is a, Uh, There's a weight of responsibility here. The problem was that in the body of Christ, everybody is now outspoken and they're becoming flippant with their words, careless. So it's for this reason that James began chapter three with addressing teaching and reminding believers about the potential damage that can be done with words. And James 3.1, once again, he says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. Now, some of us in the room are like, I'm not a teacher. I don't have to listen anymore. Yeah, you are. Do you have influence? You're a teacher. If you narrow teaching down, it is simply stewarding your influence. You may not be a teacher in a classroom. And by the way, even if you're a teacher in your classroom, you cannot guarantee that the people that are in your classroom will ever pay attention to what you have to say. We've all been there. We've all had the teachers that were like, I'm not listening. I don't care what you say. I'm not listening. But if you have influence, you are a teacher. See, listen, we have influence everywhere that we go in. We influence our kids. We influence coworkers. We influence our peers. We influence our social media followers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Every one of us is a teacher because we all have influence. And by the way, this is how God actually designed us. Listen, we were designed by God for our words to shape the world that we live in as well as the world of others around us. We were designed by God with that authority in what we say. In Genesis 1, God speaks the world into existence, then he creates us in his likeness and his image, and then he gives us his same power and authority to shape our world and those in it by what comes out of our mouths. That's why one of the biggest lies that has ever been spread is that sticks and stones may break my bones, but will never hurt me. It's a lie. And here's why you know it's a lie. Because every one of us right now can instantaneously recall negative and destructive words that other people have spoken that have shaped the perception we have of ourselves and the way in which we see the world we live in. That is the power of words. And here's the sobering reality. We want that that power associated with words to uh, be eliminated, and it never will because we were designed by God to carry authority in the way that we speak. Our words are powerful instruments 
that we can either use to build up or to tear down as Abraham Joshua Herschel. This was a Jewish theologian in the 20th century. He said this, words create worlds. Words create worlds. That is a true statement. No word that we speak is neutral. We can pretend that our words have no effect or impact, but if we do that, we are living in denial. As Proverbs 18.21 says, the tongue has the power of what? Life and death. And so James addresses the power of the tongue because of the tendency that people were having to be careless with their words. And listen to me, James's intent with addressing the tongue was not to make us fearful. It was to make us reverent of the power that our mouths carry. Two important reminders from the book of James about our tongues and the words we say. Number one, our tongues are accountable. Our tongues are accountable. This is what James is saying in 3.1. Now, many of you should become teachers by fellow believers because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. For the sake of personal application, this scripture could be easily read, and I'm not changing scripture. Not many of us should be so careless with our influence because we know that we will be judged for the words that we say. Remember, we are all teachers, so we will be judged. Now, if you're like, I'm still not a teacher, let's take it a step further to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Jesus says, but I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an account for it in the day of judgment. Wow. Sobering truth revealed here, and this is so important for us to take note of, is that God is taking note of the words that we say that we believe will be of no consequence when spoken. Every word, every careless word, when you don't think the other person's listening, guess who's leaning in? Jesus. Every careless word that people speak, they shall give an account for in the day of judgment. And honestly... Here's the hardest, most sobering thing about reading these passages of scriptures and and sharing this message at 39. I have had so many careless words in my life that I know now I'm going to have to give an explanation for. That's a sobering reality. Every careless word. He's taking note of the words that are spoken that we don't think have any consequence. How many careless words have only been, uh, not only been spoken, but posted to our social media accounts? Do you know that your social media is just an extension of your mouth? There is no disconnection in the eyes of God. What you type is coming from your tongue. Our tongues are accountable. Which brings me to another thing that James addresses in his book about words. Our mouths need to slow down. We can be so quick to fire from the hip. Trigger happy with our mouths. We need to slow down, which is why James 1, 19 says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. This, by the way, if you come over our house, is posted almost everywhere. It is the prayer, it it is part of every prayer almost every night for our kids. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You know, I'm just going to stop right here. 
People that struggle with anger, it's because their mouths release something that now they have to back up with their actions. If you're slow to speak, you will be slow to allowing anger to have its way in your, in your life. There's a, there's a connection here. Story titled, How to Keep Your Kids from Talking All the Time. You want to all listen to this. Take notes. My friend Joy told me that when she was growing up, this is a true story, her parents invited, invented a ploy to keep her from talking all the time. They told her that people are allowed only so many words in one lifetime, and when they use up those words, they die. <laughs> so Joy developed a habit of using words sparingly. She told me she would often go an entire day without speaking a word, and at the end of the day, she would think to herself, I just added one extra day to my life. <laughs> now, obviously, this isn't true, but nevertheless, our mouths need to slow down. Historian Will Durant, said, Will Durant said this, talk is cheap because the supply always exceeds the demand. And a poet named uh, James Russell said this, blessed are those who have nothing to say and who cannot be persuaded to say it. <laughs> See, what makes this so difficult is that we live in a culture that worships at the altar of opinions. We are drowning in a cultural sea of podcasts, radio program, programs, and TV shows that idolize the opinions of people. And for almost two decades now, we have been conditioned to believe that everything we think is worthy of articulation through things like Facebook, who upon opening the app at the top of the interface is this question, what is on your mind? This is a cultural conditioning. We have culturally condi been conditioned to believe that every thought that we have is justifiably spoken. But once again, James says we should all be quick to listen and slow to speak. And I believe that if there is any people who should be more measured with their mouths, it should be the body of Christ. Think about the fact that Jesus standing before Pilate and Herod, kept silent. You know what that tells me? Some audiences are not worthy of you saying anything. Some audiences aren't worthy of it. We gather in circles and people are talking about different things and there can be this temptation to be pulled in and begin to explain your side of things and Jesus being silent in the midst of Pilate and Herod shows us that some audiences aren't worthy of us even saying anything. Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking, but the mouth of the wicked overflows with evil words. Proverbs 10, 19 says this, When there are many words, sin is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. As a Greek philosopher once said, I have often regretted my speech, but never my silence. Never my silence. So we're reminded in the book of James that our mouths need to slow down. 
Now, why do we need to slow down our mouths? I think that's a legitimate question. And I admit that as I was preparing this message, just like the Perseverance one, I realized there's no way that I can encompass the fullness of this section of scripture just in one sermon. So next week, we're actually going to go into the tongue again because it's so powerful and it's something that is often overlooked where other things are overemphasized. So what, why do we need to slow down our tongues? When we consider the power of the tongue, what is the first step that needs to be taken from what we've been reminded of in this message? Here it is. We need to be honest with ourselves if we have a problem with our mouth. We need to be honest. You know that commercial that says, Denial, Ohio, doesn't happen here. Doesn't happen here. Not me. We need to be honest with ourselves if we have a problem. And I believe that, you know how like uh, you've ever, if you've ever heard sermons, sometimes uh, speakers will want everybody to respond to the altar call. So they'll try to pull every single person. Everybody's in this. But James says it in James 3, 2. Listen to what he says again. He says, we all stumble in many ways, and anyone who is never at fault ever in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Um, is anybody perfect with their mouths in here? Oh, wow. Yeah. So we're all in this, really. He says, if anyone is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Wow. When I consider our need to be honest with ourselves, I am reminded of this, that often God will not deal with anything that we deny. Scripture says, confess with your mouth sins to another and you shall be healed. So much of the problem with our mouths is often tied to us thinking it's not that big of a deal, but it is. You know, I was challenged by this the other day, and um, I'm going to share a personal story as we close, but I was uh, on Instagram, you know, there's, once again, there's thousands of Christian teachers, and you follow some, and they'll have snapshots from sermons and stuff like that, but I found this to be... um, I found this to be a really sobering truth, and I thought it was interesting. This, in, this person, this speaker, was saying this in a sermon. We are so not wanting to be legalistic with what we say that we teeter being profane. We teeter on the edge because we don't want to be legalistic. We don't want to be overly religious. And so, you know, if you love people and you love people that aren't saved, they don't have the same convictions, you, you try to figure out like, okay, well, what's, what's the, the acceptable line of, of what I engage in with my mouth to put people at ease that I'm not here and they're here? 
They were all in the same place. And there can be a temptation to cross over into things that are profane. Are you understanding what I'm saying? Cross over into things that are profane so that we put people more at ease. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Over the past couple weeks, I have been confronted with my own inability to control my tongue at times. Now, I'm not someone who just rattles off 18 cuss words. But where, where I struggle and is where I, what I joke about, what, what I think is, is funny. Now, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I want you to know, like, I'm not saying that what I think is funny is, like, overtly perverse. But there's a line, right? And so the other day, I'm joking with my son, who shall remain nameless. And um, we're just having a good time. We're talking about things, and I'm, I'm joking around. And um, I like to crack jokes, and I like to poke fun. And uh, so I was with him, and Allison overheard me. And uh, for any man that is in a very good marriage, they realize very quickly that if the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you individually, they have given you a woman that embodies the Holy Spirit. Like, I think that's why the New Testament says that the Holy Spirit is essentially the helpmate of the church. The Holy Spirit is the Eve to the Adam. And so, Allison overhears me, and she's like, Caleb? And anytime it's that tone, you know. She's like, that's not funny. You need to be careful about what? What you're saying around the kids. And so, at that time, her challenging me, we engage in a vibrant conversation. It's not an argument. Because I live in Denial, Ohio. This doesn't happen here. It's a vibrant conversation. It is a healthy conversation. And so we're going back and forth. Now, let me just say this. This is so funny. It's, it's, it's funny. Allison is, is, is kind of going in on me. Now, let me just say this. Um, <laughs> Let me just say this. In my, I think it's, it'll be 16 years in November, correct? In my 16 years of our future in, in November 24th, 16 years of marriage, I think I've maybe won two arguments. But I try every time. Like, I think this is the one I'm going to win. And so she's, she's going in and, and, uh, and Gideon, <laughs> this is so funny. She's just, you know, going in on me. And the, the luxury of being a father is that, like, more often than not, your kids always got your back. Mom's the enemy. And so Allison is, you know, you need to watch what you're doing and stuff like that. And Gideon's sitting next to me, and he's trying to hold back, like, his, his smile and stuff. And then when Allison walks away, he looks at me, and he goes, women. <laughs> We just made it even more funny. And so we're going back in. Where did you learn that? Not me. Jason Dunbar, who, what are you teaching these young men in middle school ministry? 
Where are you at? Women. It's like, you've learned that this early? No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. So we're like, we're going back in our li- back and forth in our lively conversation, and um, I'm trying to defend defend myself, and then finally Allison just like with the mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit hits me with a stinger. She's like, you know what your problem is? You ever heard that as a husband? You justify what you say if you think it's funny. And I was like, no. (laughs) Whatever. And I walked away and I was like, dang. And I was like, thinking about my February series and I was like, Saul with another spear. (laughs) I'm kidding. But I walked away and I was so in denial. And then the Holy Spirit's like, she's right. And I was like, man. (laughs) Holy Spirit wouldn't let me shake it off. And uh, the more I thought about it, the more I humbled myself to the truth that she was right. And there have been times since that, and I think that was probably two weeks ago. By the way, it's not like this story is like, I'm just going to put myself in some sort of scenario so I can share this first sermon. It was like, it was happening before I even got to talking about the tongue, and I'm just like, I think I'm out in the garage, and the Holy Spirit's like, that's where all men go. (laughs) Right? (laughs) I'm out in the garage, and um, thinking high of myself, and the Holy Spirit's like, She's right. And uh, so it's been since that point that my little angel Allison is on my shoulder. (laughs) Anytime that I feel like justified and wanting to share something because I think it's funny, it's like, "Mm, you got to stop. Because I also am aware that I'm teaching my children what is acceptable conversation? What's acceptable to talk about? So why did I share that story? I shared that story because I need to hear this as much as you do. We're, We're all in, once again, we're all in the same boat. And the thing about the Holy Spirit that is awesome is the Holy Spirit doesn't just bang you over the head and say, get it together, stop being stupid, but he equips you with something that is of benefit to empower you to do what you need to work on. And so, in addition to the little Allison angel, (laughs) the scripture that over and over again, thank God that Jesus said in John 15, 16, 17, the promise that the Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance every single bit of truth that has been spoken. So there have been moments in Psalm, and Psalm 19, 14 comes to mind, and this is it. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You know what's interesting about this scripture, and I'm going to close right here is there's actually other translations, and I can't remember which translation it is, that says, 
May the altar of my mouth produce something pleasing, a pleasing fragrance before you. May the altar of my mouth. You know, James is talking about that in blessing and cursing coming out of the same mouth. What he's saying is that your words have power. Your words carry weight. Your words can either honor Jesus in the way you're speaking to him or speaking to other people, or they can speak death and damage and destruction and pain. And we've been all on the receiving end of way too many of that, too much of that. But if there's any people that should be measured in their mouths, it should be the people of God. Will you stand with me? Psalm 19, I'm going to say it again. May the words of my mouth, I'm just, I'm, I'm asking you to do this. I'm asking, sorry. Y'all are, y'all are, you guys are amazing. I'm asking that if you have been convicted by the scripture that has been shared this morning, I'm asking that this would be the cry of your heart. May the words of my mouth in the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Will you pray with me? Jesus, in the same way that I humbly admitted that my wife was right, what she said was true, Lord, I pray for a humility in this room. As your word says, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Father, I humble myself before you, and Lord, I know, I know the times where I have justified what I have spoken, because I thought it was funny, but Lord, I know that you want a people that reflect the fruit of the spirit of self-control. So God, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would bring us into remembrance of everything that the Holy Spirit has, has spoken in the moments where we want to unleash our tongue, in the moments when we want to say what we feel when we want to say our opinion, when we want to speak up and speak out, help us to be, as David said, people where the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing to you, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So next week... If you haven't been convicted enough, (laughs) we're going to go back to James chapter 3. We love you guys. If you're visiting with us, our pastoral staff would love to meet with you. If you have prophetic ministry and you signed up for that, please come forward. Don't hesitate to go see the Resource and Media Center. And if you signed up for the community breakfast or are interested, meet me in the conference room in about 10 minutes. We love you. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. We hope you were challenged, encouraged, and inspired as you listened to this teaching from God's Word. For more messages or information about our church, please go to www.redeemers.life.